Hey guys, hope everyone's having a great evening. It's Monday, June 7th, and Tuan and I just recorded a podcast to cover the NBA Conference Semifinals. Can't believe we're here. As we speak, Brooklyn and Milwaukee are, are duking it out in Game 2 of their semifinal matchup, but the other teams haven't played yet, so Tuan and I just wanted to do some predictions, you know, cover cover the series for each team. And uh, yeah, we disagree on some series, we agree on others, and we just had a lot of fun recording this podcast, so uh, we hope you enjoy listening, and as always, we thank you for listening, and you'll be hearing from us soon. Take care. Welcome to episode 37 of Around the League. It's Monday, June 7th, and the NBA is officially in the conference semis. As we speak, Milwaukee and Brooklyn are battling in game two. Peaked at about five minutes of the first quarter and caught two highlights that were just posted on Bleacher Report. Tuan, it's been like 48 hours since we last spoke and the NBA is continuing to move faster than Usain Bolt. How you doing, my man? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. Doing well. Uh, Monday evening. I know. Uh, what'd you get up to this weekend? Did you guys uh, get some rounds in uh, this weekend at the golf course? Well, Saturday, we re- was it Saturday we recorded? Yeah, we recorded Saturday, yeah. Saturday, we did a little recording and it was nice catching up with you. Um, Sunday, we we played at Mary Hill, our classic spot. Yeah, nice. Um, it's like Dayon's Downs, Fitzy and, my, and myself. We just a little, just a little scramble action. Came back, uh, went back to Dayon's after golf and uh, and then watched game seven. What'd you get up to? Uh, on Saturday, I actually biked all the way down Lakeshore. So it's like a 30, 40 kilometer bike ride. I feel like five hours because we made a few pit stops, but man, that was a grueling, grueling five hours out in like the 32 degree heat, man. I don't know how you guys uh, played in your weather, but man, it was, it was, I I was dead. I was dead after uh, that, those five hours. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really easy to golf in a cart with a few beverages. (laughs) Um, You know, it's a lot different than biking 40 kilometers down Lakeshore, man. How did you do that? Man, I don't know. I don't know. I just, we didn't, we didn't really have uh, a location we wanted to stop at. We just kept going because I've never like really biked down all the way down Lakeshore towards like Etobicoke and like Mimico. And we kept going, kept going and, and finally stopped and said, all right, we got to turn back. So we're only halfway. So it, it was rough, but it, it was a good time. Definitely going to try that again. Were you kind of like, fuck, we uh, have to go back now? <laughs> No, we, we, we made a uh, bunch of pit stops and the weather was really nice. And it was like right by the beach. So there were yeah. like five different beaches on the lakeshore that I never knew existed, even though they're like small little beaches. Um, they were nice though. So um, also, I also just received my new set of clubs. They're the ones that you helped me buy. So I'm ready, man. I'm ready to golf now. I know I flaked out on you guys this weekend, but I need to get my first round in soon. So, you know, get, want to get those clubs uh, in use as soon as possible. So why don't you just give a little backstory on what propelled you to get new clubs? <laughs> all right. All right. So um, my little brother, Jackie, you know, he, he's got some white buddies that, are, you know, love golf. So he he wanted to start, uh, you know, playing, getting better. So maybe right before the lockout, the day before the lockout, me and him went out to the golf course. It was like five degrees, super cold. And we were just, you know, just, you know, hitting some balls out. It was a fucking terrible idea. You know, fast forward to last week, you know, he went, he uh, bored my clubs to, to shoot with some friends. And no word of a lie, he told me, he sent me pictures. He said on back-to-back swings, he broke my driver and then he broke my seven iron. So he broke the driver was like was i don't know he was he was just like so flustered and we didn't really know what to do but he's like fuck it i'll just continue and then on the next swing i queued to find or buy a new set of clubs because those are the ones that i uh, i borrowed from tim slash taylor so i got to find a replacement club for those two and then yeah i just had to buy a new set for myself so yeah, sorry taylor i wonder i wonder if you broke the club heads on impact or rage yeah, I don't know, but he's a little taller too, so I'm not sure if that uh, that had to uh, impact it at all. But yeah, shitty situation. But they were older clubs, so uh, glad to get new ones. 
Yeah, man. Well, did you, well, did you get any, uh, did you get in any of game seven yesterday? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I watched um, part of the Atlanta and uh, Philadelphia game, which was great. And then I watched uh, the majority of the Clippers and Nuggets game or not Nuggets, uh, Dallas game. Uh, man. Yeah. Quiet. I don't know what else to say. Same with fucking uh, Doncic. Unfortunate his team kind of lacked that supporting cast that he needs and Porzingis, you know, they got to make moves on that. But, you know, Kawhi came up big the last two games and, you know, they're off to the second round playing the Utah Jazz. Yeah, I mean, let's we should unpack it just a little bit. Sure. Um, definitely Kawhi, like Kawhi was definitely the big takeaway of that game. And, you know, he kind of did exactly what we've seen before in 2019. Like his performance last night had major 2019 vibes. And the one thing, you know, I realized about Kawhi is if you if you observe his fourth quarters, you know, he'll always take a rest sort of midway into the fourth quarter. And he sort of sets himself up for like a five to seven minute rampage. And you heard Nick Nurse talk about this on the Ryan Russillo podcast last month, where he was just telling a story how Kawhi was on the bench and he was like, Kawhi, you ready to go? And, you know, they were trailing. And I think it was against Philadelphia. And Kawhi's like, you know, I just need a couple more minutes, coach. And Nick Nurse in the back of his head's like, shit, like, I don't know if we can afford a couple more minutes. But, you know, Kawhi will go like 90% on average for an entire game. But then in the fourth quarter, he has this like five to seven minute blitz. And that's where he gets like consecutive stops, consecutive buckets. And sort mm-hmm. of just puts the team on, on his shoulder for like five to seven minutes. And it happened yesterday. It was, and it, it just reminded me exactly of the Philly series, the Milwaukee series. Yeah, um, you know, game game six when he had forty five points on eighteen or twenty five shooting, and then he guarded uh, Doncic for majority game, and he struggled. I think he had like twenty nine points. But that game reminded me of game uh, game was it game five for the Raptors against the seventy sixers. So not you know not the game seven, but the game where it was close and he made that, that, that difficult shot over, um, over Embiid. And it was, I think he had like 45 points that game as well. Um, and that matched his career high that he had the, uh, the other day. So that game reminded me of that, just him, just m- being able to n- make shots, um, you know, during such clutch moments. And he did that again, six, did that again, seven as well. He shot, 10 for 15, so 66%, and almost had a triple-double. And, you know, we, we always talk about Kawhi and his lack of playmaking, uh, but when it comes to, you know, game six, game seven, and the series on the line, this guy had 28, 10, and nine in a game seven. And, you know, again, guarded Doncic, you know, to the best of his abilities. Um, Doncic, man, give props to that kid. He played with, you know, a very, honestly, a poor supporting cast. And when you look down that roster, you got Chris Stapps, you have Hardaway, you have Kleba, you have um, like Trey Burks and, you know, the, the guys that don't even come, like not come, don't come close to what the roster that the Clippers were able to put together. Um, and, you know, that's a luxury that Kawhi and Paul George have, you know, they have veteran guys like Batum, Ibaka, um, even Kennard and Mann played really well. I know Ibaka hasn't played much this series, but, you know, Kennard made big shots. Terrence Mann had a, probably the best game of his career and Marcus Morris played really well that game too. So that was the first game. I think we saw all series uh, with most of the, the main parts of the Clippers, you know, bring it all together. And that that's a scary sight for, for the Utah jazz, but um, the Dallas Mavericks, man, they got to really capitalize on the next few years with Luca and, you know, Porzingis, you know, even after, after game seven, there's rumblings about him being, you know, uh, not happy with the role that he was put in. But man, when you're seven foot two and you're playing 30 feet away from the basket and you're not posting up against like the Batum and Marcus Morris, that, that's your issue. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, obviously he's been hurt for um, a year and a bit now, but he's just not the same player that he was, he was with the Knicks. And it's looking like the Knicks got the better end of that deal when you look back at it right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I want to talk about Dallas a little more because I'm kind of more impressed with their performance throughout this series than I am with the Clippers. Um, like you said, this was the first game where things started clicking. Marcus Morris was unconscious 
yesterday. He did not miss a three. Luke Kennard came off the bench and scored 11 points in 10 minutes. Um, so they got, they got sparks from the guys that, you know, you would expect to get that spark from, but you know, those guys weren't really producing all, all series. And the fact that this was even game seven, um, it just kind of makes me a little nervous for Clippers going down the road. And we'll talk about that in a bit, but like Lucas scored 46 points with all the attention on him and being guarded by Kawhi for most of that game. And the fact that he was able to score on some of the shot attempts that he was able to like, it was ridiculous. It was probably the most um, impressed I've been with him, um, you know, since he's been in the league, because just with all that attention in the playoffs, the rotations are so tight and, you know, Kawhi can just be an assassin in the playoff and the way that he was able to just handle it. um, Just so surprising. Um, The other thing I want to mention is Porzingis. Like I'm never, I hate to say like, this guy sucks. I try to never say that because, you know, put me on a basketball court and, you know, it's a different story, but Porzingis is just, he's a really bad basketball player given, given his size and intangibles. Like he, he does not know how to use um, his intangibles whatsoever. And he's probably the most frustrating NBA basketball player there is in my opinion. Well, we, we will see a lot of the, you know, the, the potential and the intrigue in, in him as a, a player. He was an all-star with the Knicks. And, you know, unfortunately for him, he's just too big for his own good, I think. If he was like 6'11", 7 feet, um, and, you know, just not as skinny, not as like mobile, it may actually help his game because now he's just kind of a little too slow. He doesn't have that post game. Like anytime he gets it in the post, it's a fadeaway. Uh, he'll never take it and, you know, bully, bully any of these undersized power forwards that teams are putting on him. He just likes to lurk out in the uh, beyond the arc. And he's just, that's how he plays. And I'm not sure if he needs the ball in his hands a little more, if he needs to kind of be the third option, not be the second option, but it just sucks because Dallas, you know, owes him. I'm not sure what the contract is, but it's like 30 mil a year for the next few, uh, few years. So they're, they're stuck with this contract. And the only way that they're going to be able to get out of that is if they forfeit and, you know, trade up a, first round pick in the foreseeable future but yeah it's a sticky situation like a sticky situation for them because they're stuck with him what do they do next to kind of get better do they have to you know trade a bunch of first round picks to get a second star next to next to Doncic because I don't think there's much value with Porzingis in the way that he plays and with his injury concerns and a salary that a team is willing to give up any assets for him yeah I mean the the most glaring part of yesterday's game anyone that would anyone that was watching that game would have easily just referenced that the amount of touches that boy Boban was getting last night and the fact that Dallas almost won uh they were they were ahead you know at, for a lot of that game yesterday the fact that Luca and Boban were the one-two punch yesterday versus the Clippers is absolutely bonkers yeah um and Let's not forget that they were up two nothing. They were up nineteen. They were up thirty to eleven in game three as well. So had they just made one or two more shots in game three early in that game before the Clippers made that run, this series is probably over. So they can look back at a few instances, you know, a few plays or a stretch of plays where they really could have sealed the series, um, especially even in game six. Um, but the one thing, the one knock on Doncic is his free throw shooting, man. That's that's the one thing that he he couldn't make two free throws when they needed last night. Um, you know, he was he was he was shooting um, a higher three point percentage than he was free throw percentage prior to Game Seven. So he was like forty three percent from the three point line, and then he was like a forty two point five percent free throw shooter uh, in like through through six games. So, you know, as much as you want to knock Giannis, this is kind of something Doncic has to kind of battle through as well because he's never been a great free throw shooter and it kind of was um, exemplified in, in, the, in the first six games here. I mean, I wouldn't say he's a liability from the free throw line, but I mean, when that guy literally has a team on his back, if you're missing a couple in the, in the fourth quarter because you're exhausted, like I can kind of use that as an excuse for for. Doncic more than I can other players because 
life is really hard for Doncic out there. You know, he's either scoring the bucket or assisting on the bucket. Yeah, I'm just nitpicking right now. But uh, no, we should we should probably we should probably move on from the Dallas talk. Like, what a, what a great season though, and I'm just glad that Luca held his own because such a promising talent for the NBA um, and a unicorn, really. Yeah, he's he's truly the 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 best young player in the league, and by far, um, he will have an outstanding future. It's just how how the Mavs will build a, a team around for the next few years. Um, yeah, I mean, let's let's move on to the Clippers in Utah. To me. This is kind of like the Western Conference version of Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Just got two star-studded teams who could very well be in the conference finals. If not, you know, one of these teams definitely being, you know, able to be in the finals. The Clippers held on for dear life against Luka Doncic, not Dallas, Luka. Um, and, the Jaws, and the Jazz, on the other hand, swept the Grizzlies in a gentlemanly fashion, if that's even a word. Um, they, dis- <laughs> they displayed the same depth and dominance they have all season. And yeah, I mean, one, one team is going to be a lot more fresh than the other, but Tuan, what are are your thoughts on this series? Uh, All right. I have a few thoughts on this one. So um, let's look at some of the key matchups for this series. Uh, It's going to be Kawhi slash Paul George versus a mix of like Donovan Mitchell and Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, It comes down to if, those two Clipper guards are able to contain these guys who, you know, have, have a knack for being big in the playoffs and be able to be streaky and scoring a bunch of points um, in a row. Like Donovan Mitchell is coming off a really great four game stretch um, against the Grizzlies uh, averaging around 29 points per game. And, you know, why Paul George, we, we know what they can do. Um, again, it, it could be another, series where it's just the star guys going to get their minutes, going to get their points, going to get the touches. Um, and then also Rudy Gobert. I think, honestly, I think Rudy Gobert is the, like by far the biggest X factor in this whole series, just because when Dallas was throwing out Boban out there, they were throwing Nicholas Platoon um, as a starting center to guard him. So I wonder who, if they're going to continue to play small or if they're going to bring in Zubats uh, to to cover Gobert in the post. I know Abacus had some back issues of, as of late, so I'm not sure what his availability will be. But Rudy Gobert, man, he we've always you know kind of questioned his ability to be a even a defender um, in on the perimeter against some playoff teams as they go smaller and they go with like you know a more guard oriented lineup. So will he kind of be? Um, iced out of the game when it's late in game and the Clippers are going with five guards or five guards in like um, Marcus Morris or Nicholas Batum um, as your forwards. So it's going to be able to, uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see if Rudy Gobert is able to take advantage of his height of his, you know, strength in the post and get easy buckets for the Utah jazz, or if Clippers will, you know, just play a premier game and kind of um, take him out of the game in that, in that sense. Yeah, I mean, I think when it boils down to it, you know, we again, I keep referencing 2019 because we're talking about the guy who was responsible for it, right? Like the Raptors championship. Um, Like the Clippers have the best two-way player remaining in the playoffs and in the entire NBA, right? Like we've we've witnessed Kawhi's impact, whether he's doing it himself or whether supporting cast is helping. Um, You can't count him out. Like when we saw what it looks like when the Clippers clicked and we saw it yesterday, you know, they gave production from Kennard, Morris, Jackson, Jackson had a great game yesterday. He was hitting some deep threes. Yeah. And just when you thought Dallas was coming back, Jackson was hitting these threes that they were just pissing me off. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're great when they're great. And when they're not great, they hate each other. So, you know, just I'm leaning towards them hating each other in this series. I think, you know, everyone is like, including yourself, like everyone's talking about how Rudy Gobert is going to handle being pushed to the perimeter. Right. Um, And I think Utah just, Utah just has to stick to their guns. Like they kind of, they haven't, they haven't taken their foot off the gas since the beginning of the season. You know, they've held that number one spot. They did their thing against uh, Memphis, especially after losing game one, sometimes it can be hard to rebound, but um, the only way they win is if they play a very disciplined brand of defense um, but if they can do it consistently, I like their chances in this series, but I think their number one asset 
again, compared to Clippers, is just their depth. And the fact that they're just going to be a little bit more fresh than the Clippers are, like just having Connolly. And I know he's not 100%, but, you know, if he's at 80, I still really like having Mike Connolly on my team. Um, you know, we haven't even really even talked about Donovan Mitchell, but that guy's been playing very consistent, like superstar level basketball, right? Then you got Gobert, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Clarkson. So I just think when you look down that roster, you just, you have so many options. And if one guy's not clicking, the chances are someone else will. So another another thing I want to point out is kind of the style of play. So we saw the Clippers struggle because their two best players are not facilitators and the, the rest of their role players aren't great shot makers, you know? So they did get lucky with, you know, Reggie Jackson getting hot, Luke Kennard getting hot, Terrence Mann, you know, playing a great game. Whereas the Utah Jazz are a much more, you know, team ball type uh, uh, team that, you know, plays that Spurs type of offense where the ball is clicking, the ball's buzzing, um, you know, doesn't matter who's taking the shot. So that's why you're seeing Joel Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, um, you know, get dominated for six minutes of the year because these guys come in and it doesn't matter who's shooting. It doesn't matter if Donovan Mitchell, uh, Mike Conley, uh, honestly does not matter for this team at all who's shooting. So that's where I see Utah has an advantage. They play that team ball. They play, you know, that selfless basketball, whereas the Clippers, if, you know, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are slumping, um, then you're, you can't depend on those, you know, third, fourth, fifth options to, to, you know, create their own shots because they can't do that. And the, the top two guys don't create shots for them either. So it's going to be interesting to see what type of, um, you know, stylistic offense comes out on top here. Um, yeah. Wh- who do you think has the advantage here just from, you know, what you've seen throughout the regular season, um, what you saw in the, the first round, uh, you know, I know you've always been a fan of the Utah Jazz and the style of play and kind of the the all well-rounded team that they have, especially being coached by Quinn Schneider. Um, and I know you don't have uh, how much love for the Clippers um, as of late. So, so what are your predictions for, for this series and who you think comes up on top of here? Well, I'm saying Jazz in six. And I'm saying it uh, for the for the couple of reasons I just mentioned, like just their depth, right? Having Conley, Mitchell, Gobert, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Clarkson, um, and you just go down that roster. I just feel like you, they've just displayed continuity. And I keep saying that about the Jazz every podcast, continuity. They've just displayed it all season, and um, they really haven't taken their foot off the gas, right? And and you know when the when the rotations get tighter and uh, deficiencies become a lot more glaring in the playoffs. Um, you know, versus a very good and scrappy Memphis team, you know, they didn't let up. Yeah, so I have it a little different than you. Um, I'm going to just stick with my boy Kawhi. I'm going to say this is this goes to game seven. And I'm going to say that because I just don't know who who's going to who they're going to put on Kawhi or Paul George. Who's the best defender right now? Royce O'Neal? Is Royce O'Neal going to be able to contain Kawhi Leonard? Is Donovan Mitchell going to be able to put, um, you know, put it, you know, put his best forward when, when it comes to guarding uh, some of the elite players in, in the league. Um, and I still have questions about Rudy Gobert. Uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, I've, I've seen struggle in the playoffs. I've seen um, get isolated on the, even on the defensive end where he's known as, you know, the best defensive player of the year candidate this year for the last three, four years. And, you know, he's still getting subbed out late in games, um in, in previous series so I like the Clippers I like kind of how they're playing the last few games I know they're getting Serge Ibaka back uh Luke Kennard is you know looking like he has some you know some energy some spirit in him right now I know he he didn't get to play much in the first three four games but if they're able to get some consistency from him some uh printer shooting from him um I like the Clippers in seven just based off of the talent and based off of what I've seen Kawhi Leonard be able to do for the last, I don't know, three, four years. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, you, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Thing is, you, you know, Utah has a de- like third place defensive rating. Um, so they got to, they just have a level of like team defense competence, 
you know, far beyond just Rudy Gobert, you know? So I just feel as though, you know, they're going to play some team ball. They're going to throw doubles. They're going to throw blitzes. They're definitely just going to make it very hard, make it scrappy for the Clippers. But I know you can't, you can't uh, bet against Kawhi. Um, We've learned that the good way. (laughs) Yeah. On, no, on, on just from like stylistic and just how their teams are played. I much rather watch the Utah jazz nine out of 10 times, but you know, just, just from my, one full season watching Kawhi Leonard. Honestly, I can't bet against bet, bet against this guy. I know they lost last year in dramatic fashion to the Nuggets, um, but I think this guy is just the best player in the in the rest of the playoffs. So that that's who I'm betting against. Um, I wouldn't be mad if Utah uh, beat them in six or seven, but I just think the Clippers have two of the best players in the series, and um, that's what I'm going to base it on um no fair point no i'm looking forward to this. this is probably my probably my the series that i'm most excited for um maybe next to this is the next one we're about to talk about the suns and the nuggets this series also has a lot of star power both teams have both teams both each have an unguardable player in my opinion you got denver's got Nikola Jokic. the suns have Devin booker um the nuggets most recently weathered the storm, which is Damian Lillard, and we're able to advance to the conference or sorry, the yeah, conference semis. And the Suns, who we sort of thought had a matchup nightmare in front of them, were able to get past a hobbled Lakers lineup. Um, very entertaining series. And uh, first game, I believe, is starting this evening at like nine. Um, but yeah, let's make a case for both teams here. Tuan, take us away. All right. All right. So. Yeah, this this series is interesting because there are two guys each from each team, uh, and Devin Booker and Nikola Jokic, who I really don't know who is going to guard them. Uh, for Devin Booker, you know, he had uh, was it a forty-seven point outing against the the Lakers in uh, in Game Six, uh, probably his best game as, as a pro um, in, in a game that he's able to knock out LeBron for the first time in, in the first round. And, you know, he, he kind of carried that team with Chris Paul having an injured shoulder. Um, I really don't know. I'm looking down the, lo- the roster for the Nuggets. Are they going to have Monte Morris guarding him? Are they going to have Campazzo, you know, kind of that, that rugged, um, you know, pest type player kind of uh, trying, trying to get underneath uh, Booker's skin? I just don't know who's going to be guarding him. And then uh, on the opposite side, Jokic. Are they going to try to have DeAndre Ayn, who's more of a traditional center, who's not as quick on his feet and probably not going to be able to, you know, keep up with Jokic. So those are the two primary players in their matchups that I just really don't see who's, like there's no clear um, uh, defender that they're, you know, going to be matched up against it. So I think that's going to be the, you know, one of the keys to this whole thing is how those star players play um, against their their matchups. And then the other thing I want to point out is, you know, the Nuggets played really, really well offensively against Portland because Portland's just, you know, horrendous on defense. Um, if you're just looking at the playoff picture right now, Suns have the second best defensive rating at 104, while Portland was at 123. So a 19-point difference um, per 100 possessions there. So I think, you know, the Suns, they've been a great defensive team all year. So it's definitely going to be a challenge for Jokic and Porter uh, to get their offensive going. Man, it's just, it's so unfortunate that, you know, Jamal is starting the series because it would be such a fun series to um, to really see both guys, or sorry, both teams fully healthy, especially with Chris Paul having his surgery or his soldier, soldier, shoulder injury um, as of late too. But Man, yeah, I, I think it comes down to that. I think DeAndre Ainge is playing really well offensively. I'm not sure how he's going to up with Nikola Jokic on the perimeter or even in the uh, in the post. And then I'm not sure who's going to be guarding Michael Porter Jr. either. Uh, is that going to be Jay Crowder, Mikel Bridges? So there's a lot of question marks for me on the defensive side. I think both teams will get their points just because they're so star-studded with guys that are so offensively gifted. Um, it's just going to come down to the coaches and who they who they think is going to match up against. 
some of the key uh, players on the opposing team? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to make a case for both teams and then just sort of give what I think is going to happen in terms of like the outcome of the series. But, um, you know, they got so much great production against the Blazers from MPJ, Compazzo, and Morris. And, you know, if I think, I think that if they can maintain that production and continue to get that, then they're going to stay in this series and it's going to be very close. And, you know, what's obviously going to take them over the edge is having the MVP of the NBA, right? You can't, you can't count out that Golden or um, Denver has the MVP of the league, right? He's going to dominate. And even though Aiton is athletic, you put that guy in a foul, foul trouble and the Suns literally have nothing like they're, they're screwed if Aiton gets into foul trouble and the way that Yoka Jokic plays just how crafty, how crafty it is. He is. Um, I feel like he can get a guy like Deandre Aiden, who probably just loves to jump in foul trouble. Um, but for, for Phoenix on the, on the flip side, like you said, like they have Devin Booker um, who can go unconscious, who, be, who can be automatic and, it's kind of like the uh, the Western Conference version of Trey Young in these playoffs, um, but yeah, you know it's it's going to be interesting. Um, but you know, just seeing the way that Jokic adapted his game against the Blazers, they allowed Damian Lillard to do Damian Lillard things. They can allow Devin Booker to do Devin Booker things. But if Jokic is going to continue to average thirty plus like he did in that first round then I really like, I really like uh, Denver's um, chances to make this thing competitive. But with that being said, I just feel like having guys like Crowder who have been there before, having guys like Booker, having guys like Chris Paul, who we haven't even talked about yet. Like if Chris Paul's playing at 80%, um, you know, this is, this is a completely different series. You know, I'm not sure what he's like. I'm not sure how he's going to be, how many games he's going to miss or like what percentage of health he's going to be. But uh, if they do have him at like 80% even, um, that's a game changer, considering who Denver has as guards right now. You know, if they had Malik Beasley, that'd be, that'd be a different story, but they don't, right? So, I don't know. I'm saying Suns and Six. Suns and Six? I'm leaning towards that too, just because of Chris Paul. I know, again, he, he's been hurt and he's not 100%. But Chris Paul makes a whole difference for, for the Suns team. And he's, he's the engine that gets that team going. So um, if, if Chris Paul is, you know, is on the floor and is playing more minutes than Cameron Payne, then I give it to the Suns. But if he's hurt for an extended time or he's not on the floor for more than, let's say, 20 minutes a game, then I think just the Nikola Jokic factor and um, and. and I'm expecting a big, big series from Michael Porter Jr. I think this is his time, um, you know, with, with Jamal out. Um, he's, he's getting, you know, a, a, a handful of shots now. And he's kind of, he's going to get the ultimate green light. He's going to be able to, you know, play four on three because Jokic is going to get doubled, you know, for the more, majority of the games. And it's, it's going to be on him. He's going to be able to show why he's going to be one of the best young players in the entire league. And I think he's gonna have a monster series. I, I think this is actually gonna be a really good, like, offensive series. Um, not sure how teams are gonna be playing defensively, but there's just so many, you know, gifted offensive players on both sides of the uh, of the court. So gonna be a, you know fun to see. You know, Austin Rivers might drop 25 a game and steal a game for Denver. You know, the, this guy was a late season pickup and he's been great for them. Uh, filling in for that that Murray role that they do, that, that they need, so um, I'm leaning towards the Suns, and I'll I'll give it to them in seven. You know, Atwan, I'm actually switching mine to Denver. All right. I just you know the the more the more we talk about you, just did a great job. Uh, uh, just giving your your uh, your MPJ push there. I, I can't bet against an MVP when you when you have the most valuable player on your team. Um, and especially how unselfish Jokic is, but how selfish he can be if he has to. The, the way he's just sort of flipped his game, and I know I just said that, the way he's just sort of adapted his game to not having Murray with so much grace and ease 
and now he's just dropping 35 points. His assists have gone in half, but he's still rebounding in the double digits. No one on Phoenix is going to be able to stop him. And you just get a spark plug every night, whether it's, like you said, Austin Rivers or even uh, MPJ, who, who I could also see having a, a big series. I, I'm taking Denver. Denver in six. Cool. I like, I like that pick. I like it. I'm just typing. I'm changing it in my Word doc. <laughs> no, yeah. There's, it's it's, it's, it's going to be a great series just because there's so many question marks. Uh, and I think it's going to boil, boil down, honestly, to... The, the, the role players, if Monte Morris or Aaron Gordon can kind of uh, play at the next level or if Mikael Bridges or Cameron Johnson gets hot, um, I, I think the stars are going to play at the level you expect them to play at. And then it's going to be the, um, you know, the third, fourth guy that you, you just, you need them to come up consistently. So I think it comes down to that. And I, I honestly think there's going to be a great series all right, well, let's move on to the East. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start in Philadelphia or do you want to start in Brooklyn? Because I've had my, I've had my eyes on this little uh, score mobile app. I'm kind of keeping my eye on the score of this Milwaukee-Brooklyn game. I may or may not have been sort of watching it on TSN while we're doing this podcast. <laughs> uh, there's a lot going on right now. I'm kind of excited, but should we save the best for last? And should we start with Philadelphia? Uh, let, let's, let's start with 76ers and Hawks and then we'll, we'll give me a recap of the Nets and Bucks score and we can kind of base our, uh, some of our opinions based off of that. All right. Well, yeah, Philly, Philly took care of business. They did what everyone expected them to do versus the whiz kids. However, someone argued, someone argued that the play of Atlanta has been somewhat of a surprise. Trey young, you know, he's taken a leap before our eyes, literally assumed the role of villain or one would say Reggie Miller on the biggest stage, which is MSG. And uh, it doesn't seem like he's skipping a beat. Just like Milwaukee and Brooklyn, the, um, Atlanta and Philly have played a game and the outcome was surprising to a lot of people, including myself. Um, this could be an interesting series, especially if Joel Embiid is hurt, which I don't think anyone really has a pulse on right now. Um, in the second half of the regular season, both teams had very similar records. It was around like 32 and 12. So Atlanta's sort of low-key, just been a very hot and trending team. Um, this is going to be a very interesting season, especially, or sorry, very interesting series, especially after the outcome of the first game, which we're not going to try to weigh heavily on. But Atlanta stole a game against Philly, and Philly didn't have Embiid. Tuan, what are you thinking for this series? Yeah, uh, well, before I watched game one, um, obviously had um, the, the pick leading towards the 76ers, just how well they've played all year, um, being the you know defensive juggernauts that they have been and then having you know a top two MVP candidate in Joel Embiid. Um, I, I know he's, been, he's hurt or he has been hurt uh, the last few games, but it didn't really look like he was hurt in, in game one. He had 39 and nine on 12 of 21 shooting. So um, it's not like the Hawks came into Wells Fargo and, you know, the game without Embiid there. They, they, they played with, you know, a, uh, at least it looked like to me, a 85% capable Embiid in there. Um, it was just that, you know, they, they weren't able to get much from, from their bread and butter, which is their defensive uh, yeah, there's the defensive mindset. And I think I've mentioned to you guys in our group chat that the Hawks jumped out to a 26-point lead with eight minutes left in the second quarter. So that's how big of a hot streak that they were on. And that's how easy they were able to get buckets from Trey Young, from Bogdanovich, uh, even from like Kevin Herter. And, you know, I, I, I think you know, it's time for Trey Young to, you know, definitely deserve some recognition, be able to play not only the Knicks for, uh, for I believe, five games, and then the 76ers for one game. And these those two teams are uh, the top five teams uh, defensively uh, in the league so far. And he, you know, he's averaged basically 30 and 10 against both teams. So um, he's playing at a superstar level. You know, this is his first appearance in the playoffs. And he's playing like a guy who deserves his own signature shoe. Uh, 
you know, and then my X factor for this whole series, and he's been hurt, you know, for, you know, let's say 30, 35% of the regular season, but this is, this is Bogdan Bogdanovich's series to really steal. Um, he was clutch in game two, in game one, when 76ers made that late push, when they were down like 12 with a few minutes left. And they, they were only up, I believe, three with like 50 seconds left in the game. And Bogdanovich hit it a huge three. I know he didn't have like the most efficient scoring game, but you just need a guy that's willing to take a huge shot in a huge moment, not name you Trey Young, because Trey Young's going to look for that shot every time, but he's going to be doubled. And you just need another guy that's going to be able to make that shot. And we've seen Bogdanovich do it for Serbia and, you know, in the, in the FIBA tournaments, we've seen him do it uh, when he's playing with Sacramento. Um, I don't know what they were thinking when they gave him up, but uh, Bogdanovich is going to be the main reason if Atlanta wins the series, just because of the way he plays, the way the, the mindset that he has. Um, but honestly, it's just the 76ers are too deep defensively. Um, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to change things up. Matisse Thibault is probably going to get more than, you know, 17 minutes uh, in this game or in the next game. And Ben Simmons is probably going to lock up Trey Young for, for some, you know, some portions of the game there. But I think to, they, they have Danny Green, they have Thibault, Embiid, uh, Simmons, just like great in, individual defenders that, you know, I think Doc Rivers is, you know, so experienced that he's going to be able to watch film and, you know, they're not going to be up 26, um, you know, early in the second anymore. So I think it's going to be a grind out series and, you know, a lot of good things from the Hawks in the first game, but I think 76 is going to really put, put a stamp in the series in the second game, but who knows, who knows, this is, this could be Trey Young series. This could be, you know, even a, Capello or Gallinari series, we where you know we haven't seen that yet, but um, I, I, it's going to be an entertaining series. I, I like what I saw, Hawks, and I think the 76ers just have a few adjustments to make. But you know, even after being down 26, they came back uh, and almost tied the game. Um, had a few things gone their way, but um, you know the the Hawks came out uh, victorious in game one. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've just been waiting for for someone to catch Trey Young and no one, no one can seem to catch him. He's just doing his thing. And it's kind of like he made a three-year leap between the end of the regular season and the beginning of the playoffs. I remember when we were doing predictions, I had so many questions and concerns about just the way that he played and consumed the ball. And all of a sudden he's getting his shots off, but the team is also clicking. And he's kind of, I always envisioned Trey Young's career going a lot like Devin Booker's you know, just playing for a very shitty team for like four or five years. And then finally, you know, the, your team is adding pieces for you and you end up making the playoffs, but this is year two. And within like, within a snap of a finger, um, he's sort of like matured in a really interesting way in a surprising way, because I did not see this team led by him having this much success this early. And the fact that they're where they are now and their game up in the conference semis is shocking to me. Um, so for that reason, you just really can't count them out. And therefore, I think that if Philly is unhealthy, meaning without Embiid for large parts of this series, then I think that Atlanta has a legitimate chance in winning in six or seven. However, like you said, you know, they got a lot of production out of Joel Embiid in the, in game one. So the whole, like, if you look at the stat line for Philly, everyone sort of did their thing. So, but the fact that they have Thibel, the fact that they have Maxi, the fact that they have Ben Simmons and Danny Green, even though he didn't really do much last game, um, the fact that they have those options to potentially stop Trey Young, they're just so deep. And I think that's something that's something we've alluded to um, for a lot of our uh, a lot of our breakdowns here. So, you know, this could just be a little blip in Philly's journey. Um, I'm assuming that it is right now, but man, if, if they can't figure out a way to try way to stop Trey young, they're in big trouble. Um, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say Sixers in six, 
But, uh, but man, if, if Joel Embiid can't stay healthy or if they can't figure out a way to slow Trey Young down, they are screwed. Yeah, so the Hawks scored 128 points in, um, in 48 minutes, which I don't have to look up the stats. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a season high for the 76ers allowed. So I don't think we're going to see another one of those games. But, you know, Trey Young... Like you said, I, I was very skeptical of his play as a winning player, um, you know, early in his career, even yeah, early in the season. But I, I don't think it was, I think it was Mike Breen, whoever was on the broadcast yesterday saying that um, Trey Young has the most driving kicks um, in the entire league. And he has the best, he has the most uh, effective floating floater game in, in the NBA too. So even though he's like six foot, six foot one, um, he gets to the lane very well. Um, he has that, you know, he has that, you know, signature floater now uh, that, that he pulled out against the Knicks in game one. And we're seeing a lot of it in games, you know, uh, you know, two all the way to game one of this series as well. And yeah, man, they're good. They're really good. And they were missing Bogdanovich for, you know, a portion of their season. They were missing DeAndre Hun Hunter again, a portion of his season. I think, Another player that we should be watching out for is Kevin Herter. And we saw this kind of last year with uh, Hero and with Robinson, where they got hot at the right time. And you, we saw Herter get, shoot really well, um, not only this game, but in the previous series too. So if he's able to, you know, contribute, um, you know, he's averaging 10 points a game right now, but if he's able to, you know, knock down three, four, three to four threes, uh, Bogdanovich, you know, create his own shot and make wide open shots. That's going to open up the, the, the lane for Trey Young. And I think Trey Young and Clint Capella in that pick and roll is definitely dangerous. Um, but I'm, I'm with you here. I think the 76ers uh, put it together in game two. And I also think that they, they take it in, in six, um, just because of what they've shown me um, and what, you know, what, what I think Embiid and Ben Simmons are, are, are going to show up. They've been in, this, in these types of situations before where, you know, they've made it late in the Easter Conference playoffs and, you know, they, they, they've been there before. So I think uh, just the, the inexperience of Trey Young and some of the guys um, that I, I give it to the 76ers and six. Well, another guy I'm mentioning too is John Collins. But I'm just looking at this. Uh, I'm just looking at this stat line here for Philly. Like Embiid, 39. Seth Curry, 21. Danny, Danny Green, four. <laughs> Tobias Harris, 20. Ben Simmons, 17 and 10. Matisse Tybel, 10. Mm. Like these guys were playing probably some of the best offense they've played in the playoffs. You know, for talk sure. about an entire team clicking. Um, so really, what you had last game was a shootout. And I guess yeah. what you don't want to do is get into a shootout with that with the Hawks. Um, so yeah, I mean, Philly's going to have to clamp down, but I think we're both just giving them the benefit of the doubt. I am very interested to see what our conversation looks like next week. Yeah, let's, let's, let's see where that goes. But, um, I, I think 76 is bounced back, but I, I really like what I'm seeing from the Hawks. All right, man. Well, let's, let's move on to game two, the main event literally being played as we speak. And like I was saying, I, I've watched like five or 10 minutes of the first quarter. And here's what I saw. I saw KD and I wrote down KD break Giannis's ankles. Blake Griffin had a <laughs> 2010 putback dunk. And then I just flipped through Bleacher Report again. Then he dunked on Giannis. Oh, uh, really? Joe Harris had a nasty reverse and Kyrie stopped on a diamond transition. Giannis, Giannis went skating and Kyrie nailed oh, it. No. Oh no. The score no. of the game is currently 64 93, but Hey, these are, we're not going to let these weigh on our predictions. Right. The fact that Brooklyn's about to be up to nothing and the fact that they're currently <laughs> up by like 30 points. We're not going to let these weigh on our uh, our uh, predictions. But uh, yeah, man, this sucks. It's like one. it's another matchup where both teams could easily be in the conference finals. Um, and I just kind of feel bad for Milwaukee in 2019. They had to play Toronto in 2020. They had to play the Heat, who eventually made it to the finals. And now they have to play Brooklyn. I feel as though they keep getting chipped in the standings. Yeah, they well, yeah, man, they, they were they were the first, you know, seed in, in, in the NBA for the last two years. You know, they they've always been a regular season team up, up to now. And um, 
going into game one, let's 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 talk about one thing. I think um, it's not it hasn't been talked about enough. But remember how Bud, um, the Bucks head coach, he always limited his players to like a specific amount of numbers, like a, sorry, the specific number of minutes that they would play, no matter what the the, the context of the the game or the series. So in game one. KD and Kyrie played 40 and 45 minutes respectively. And Giannis, Milton, and Drew Holiday only played around 35 minutes each. And he keeps doing this. He keeps doing it. In a tight, I know, I know. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, is it all analytics? You know, that or does he really believe that his bench players like, you know, like Brent Forbes or Bobby Portis or BJ Tucker is are, are replaceable for those guys? I just don't understand it. Like, you just have to play with feel, no? Like you got to understand like where you are at during, you know, the, you know, middle of the fourth, you know, eight minutes left. Are you, are you really going to take out your guys and continue to rest them? Like, what are you resting them for? They've been the most rested team in the last three years, not only because they've been knocked out of early in the playoffs, but they only played 30 minutes a game for the last two years. They've been blowing out teams. They have the best uh, net rating the last two years, like they have like historical net rating, like they're destroying teams by 14, 15 on average for the entire year, which is crazy to think. So I'm not sure this series has just come down to coaching, how you let game one go, especially with Harden being hurt within like the first minute of game one. I should have given your team a little boost of morale being like, hey, like they only have two guys now. And, you know, you just signed... Drew Holiday to a huge deal. You traded a shitload of assets for him. You know, you got the defending two-time MVP on your team. You got Chris Middleton, an all-star. You got, you know, Brooke Lopez, who's had a resurgence. Like, what more do you need to, to do? I know they've, they're getting shitty matchups here, but, you know, when you're playing with, you know, Durant and you're playing against, Ir like, Kyrie Irving and Blake Griffin, Joe Harris, I get it. It's a, it's a tough, tough matchup. But man, your team has always kind of, you know, put put their names towards a, a defensive minded team, a team that, you know, is always first or second in the defensive ratings. And there's no, why, why is Giannis not stopping KD? Why, why is Drew Holiday not killing Kyrie Irving? Like, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, is it schematics? Is it strategy? Um, how are you getting blown out by 30 in game two? I know I'm not watching, so I got to like, um, rewatch the highlights and stuff, but it's kind of, you know, we're, we're, it's, for it's the same, same thing over and over. Like, I, I don't know what to do. Or well, you, here, sorry, sorry to cut you off. I, I, I didn't even write a note. I didn't even write a note. I just wrote a question. Why can't Bud throw this kitchen sink for the, for the mm. last three years, this guy just cannot throw the kitchen sink. And the fact that they blew game one without Harden, the fact that they're down by 30 while Brooklyn doesn't have James Harden, like you can't worry about the entirety of a series. You have to worry about the game individually, in my opinion. Like there is nothing, there is no time to waste, especially if you're Budenholzer, where your your job is on the line. Like Giannis should be Giannis should be leading the league in minutes. He should be leading the league in usage. He's that kind of player and he has that kind of motor. I just don't know why Bud won't let him go. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're as befuddled as I am, man. Like I, this is this, this, this has been going on since the Raptor series. This was a huge part uh, of the Raptor success against Milwaukee's because they only played Giannis 35 minutes, especially in game six when he on the bench for the, the, the critical moments of, of game six where the Raptors were able to seal it. And then last year um, against the Heat, where again, they, they only played Giannis 35 minutes. That's a cap. I don't understand how you can put a cap on the, the reigning defensive player of the year and the reigning MVP uh, of the league. Uh, this guy should be playing 40, 45 minutes every playoff game. Like I don't think there should be any issues with, with him being able to perform at that level. Um, yeah, I just, I'm a little confused on, on what's going on with that team. If they lose game three, Ooh, there, there, there's going to be definitely a shakeup from a head coach coaching standpoint. I don't think they can do much from a, like a roster stand now because all three of their main guys are signed to long-term deals now. And, um, you know, they traded 
you know, draft picks for PJ Tucker. Um, they, they don't really have much now because they traded everything away for Drew Holiday. So probably their best move is to Chris to move Chris Milton if if you know the series gets out of hand and their season ends early in the second round again. Um, but again, let's let's not let's not you know put all that blame on on, on their team and whatnot. It's just the, the Nets could be just really really good and. We're just finally seeing it because they're, you know, not even fully healthy, but Kevin Durant's on their team and he's looking like he's a hundred percent. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't know, man. It's like, it sucks. It sucks for the bucks. They, they are just, they've had a little bit of terrible luck, but they've also just haven't been able to, uh, compete at the level they should be when, you know, they've shown to be the best regular season team in all of the NBA for the last two, three years. I mean, the playoffs, like the playoffs are a good indicator of your deficiencies, right? Like I said just earlier, like the, the rotations get smaller and anything that your team is lacking is, is exemplified in the playoffs, sort of say. And I think that for, for Milwaukee, there's been certain defin- deficiencies that they've had year after year, but I don't think that they've solved them. So for example, like you got George Hill, you got, or sorry, you got Drew Holiday, but you know, you had George Hill, you had Drew Bledsoe, like you had decent guards. So I just don't know if having getting Drew Holiday um, took them, you know, that that much step further. The other thing too is like in those five ten minutes I was watching, Giannis keeps getting the ball within like five or seven feet of the basket, and he still can't hit those two point gimmies. So Brooklyn's just building a wall around the hoop. They're not going to let Giannis go anywhere near the block. And they're just saying, take a Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway from five to seven feet because you don't have that in your package. And Giannis is not used to shooting those shots, but he's forced to take them. So he feels uncomfortable. And then they can also live with him shooting threes. So there's just certain things that Giannis still can't do that teams are making him do in the playoffs. And he hasn't sort of gotten over that hump. Ooh, yeah. Um no, I, I I echo everything you're saying, man. We've, we've seen this year after year after year with the Bucks. Um, so Boone Holders so doesn't play him enough like two years ago and everyone said, you got to play Giannis more. What does he do? He doesn't play Giannis more. Yeah, and he, he got that same backlash last year and he still didn't learn from game one. I don't know why you're holding these, the rats and these guys against, especially against the Brooklyn Nets. Like, you got to It's, you almost, gotta like, it's almost like they're not watching film. It's almost like they're not watching film and learning from their mistakes. Giannis lost the playoff series because he couldn't shoot free throws. He hasn't fixed his free throws. I re- yeah, that too. But I like it, it. It has to be analytics, right? Is is this like all just based on what they believe is like the optimal amount of rest and you know breaks for each player? It just doesn't make sense when you're watching the game and you know Giannis should be you know subbed back in the game two minutes earlier. But, you know, within those two minutes, remember last year against the Heat, I forget which game it was, but it was a stretch where, like, the Heat went on, like, a 10-0 run while they were down, like, five. And it changed the whole complexity of the game because Bud wouldn't sub in Giannis. And then that just kind of, you know, you know, took the, t- took the air out of their tires and they lost 4-1 to, you know, to a lower seed. And honestly, that could have been their year. If they were able to put it together – against the Miami Heat, especially in the bubble, against, you know, you know um, a deficient Boston Celtics team. They could have been in the finals, and you don't know what, what, what would have happened, but there's just so many question marks with this team now. But it's funny to say that, especially after they killed the Heat in game or in, in the first series, and now we're like a game and a half in, and the whole thing is for them, and we're talking about, like, their offseason now. But, you know, again, it's still two games. Uh, they still haven't played at home yet. So let's not count them out. Let's see if they can make any adjustments. Again, James Harden is still a question mark for the series. So they still have a glimmer of hope, even though being blown out by 30. Um, you know, they, they still got Giannis. They still got Middleton. They got Holiday. So let's let's not, you know, make any assumptions yet. But it's looking very, you know, bleak for them at the moment. Um yeah, man. I don't know. Even just knowing that the score, it's like obviously Brooklyn's going to win from 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 just what's in what's in front of us. If I had to guess before this series, I would still would have said Brooklyn in six or seven. 
but it's looking like Brooklyn probably four or five, depending on how game three goes. Yeah, based on what I'm observing, I'm going to say Brooklyn in five. I think this is going to obviously be a game where Milwaukee is able to do something, but we haven't even talked about Brooklyn. Brooklyn's doing everything that Brooklyn does. You know, without James Harden, they still have Kevin Durant, who's a walking bucket, you know, top five, top three basketball player in the NBA. Um, Kyrie is special, best handle in maybe NBA history. Ever, and ever. just his ability to shot create is on, is, it's incredible. What everyone needs to watch the Brooklyn Nets play because it's, it's showtime. Um, and yeah, they just got, you know, then they got Joe Harris. Then they got, they got that, uh, who's that guy they got from Europe? Uh, Mike, Mike James. This guy literally came out of nowhere. They plugged him into their roster and he's playing incredible. Uh, and Blake, Blake Griffin's back to doing Blake Griffin things. He's, he's guarding Giannis. He's stopping him from getting into the paint or deep into the paint. And uh, he's doing a lot for them on office right now. So Brooklyn's clicking. They're doing, they're doing everything the right way. So I see this going, see this going five games for Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, man, Milwaukee's got a lot to figure out. They remind me a lot of the Raptors pre Kawhi. Um, just that same result that we kept getting from the same roster. Eventually we were able to sort of look us, look ourselves in the mirror and say enough's enough. Um, you know, I think Milwaukee's just having a hard time addressing what they actually need. And they just tried to, you know, make these moves that, that make them incrementally better, but don't really solve the problem that's actually in front of them. Like Middleton being the number one option, even though he shouldn't be. And the fact that uh, their coach isn't playing Giannis enough. Yeah, yeah. Oh, can we quickly touch on the, uh, the fact that Blake Griffin kind of finessed the, the Pistons out of whatever amount of money to buy him out. And he's playing probably the best basketball that he's played all year, especially in the playoffs. Since wearing um, a Clippers jersey, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, he, he hasn't played this well, you know, his tenure with the – um, with the Pistons, that's for sure. But, um, you know, everyone was saying that this guy was a corpse, you know, shell of himself, but he, you know, this guy was a buyout market uh, acquisition and probably one of the best moves that you could have made uh, to add to this contending team. So he's, you know, what it would have like 18 and 10 in, in the first uh, game. So I expect him to continue to play well. I think he, he's, you know, obviously a, a elite talent before, but he's definitely found his role here. Uh, with the Nets, and I think Joe Harris, probably the best shooter in the league, when you give him, you know, that much time and that much space, uh, percentage-wise, he's probably the best in the league. So uh, they're dangerous. They they they're well put together, or yeah, well put together team. And if James Hardy comes back at any point in the series, uh, it is a wrap. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely scary. It's very scary watching these guys play because you know what? As much as you want to dissect their team as much as you want to dissect sort of their off season moves and how that might like, or sorry, the off court moves and how that might affect chemistry or how much it, when you have guys at this level, it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can have one player act however he wants to act, take as much time as he want off as he wants off in the regular season, but they're all just one, a level basketball players. And when you have that many on one team, it, it, it really doesn't matter. They're going to outplay you. And uh, it's just, I think Brooklyn is actually just displaying that, like having that much power and talent on your team is, it's quite frankly, unstoppable. Yeah. Well, we've, we've seen it, you know, time and time again with the heat, with the Golden State Warriors, you know, there's, there's some anomalies like the Pistons or the Mavericks where they were able to put a team together with just one star or even zero stars, uh, especially the Pistons. But we know this is a superstar league. And it usually goes to the team with the you know, most talent or the best two, three players um, ever since, you know, the, the 08 Celtics, you know, the original big three team there. Um, we've seen it for the last 12, 13 years. So I don't, you know, uh, anticipate much changing this, this playoff, uh, this playoff uh, race. Um, you know, it's going, I think it's going to be Brooklyn. I think it's going to be the Clippers, but, you know, that's still to be determined, but, that that's how it's looking even right now. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, 
great four series to to look forward to. I think each series brings an, a little intrigue to its own, but you know, a very you know well-rounded. I think it's really up for grabs for a lot of teams. You know, one injury here it opens up a lot of things for a lot of teams. Is who's going to be hot? Who's going to be clicking at the right time? And honestly, any of these teams can can really win it if they, they get hot and if some of their star players, you know, reach reach potential that they that they should be at. Understand, man. This can be very uh, very interesting basketball indeed. We got a big game at ten o'clock. Um, Denver is going to be tipping off versus the Suns. But yeah, this is a lot of fun. We've uh, we've done the semifinals. Let's touch in after a couple games and uh, try to stay current. I know that there's a lot going on right now, but uh, let's try to uh, maybe have some shorter and just more up to date uh, up to date episodes as the as the games go on. Yeah, for sure. And of course, appreciate. I know you've been up mad early, and I know a lot of things going on. So appreciate you jumping on. I know I know you want to get the second round previews in. So you know, I respect your time. Appreciate it. So thanks, bro. Yeah, man. You too. Don't don't bike too far now. Come back. <laughs> stay stay close. <laughs> All right, man. All right, go 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 get some dinner. Go rest up. Go watch some basketball. Enjoy the rest of your night. Man. All right, man. You too. It's good catching up.